Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic, he is Bob Kravitz with us. I'm curious. I was thinking about you the other day. I was on my way to Columbus to Buffalo Wild Wings to do a show on Monday. And when we all kind of sat back and heard Jim Mersey say in that ESPN interview, which was taped before the Minnesota Saturday debacle <laughs> in that second half a couple of weeks ago, he was uh, fairly significantly solidifying Chris Ballard returning. I think we all yep. kind of thought, yep, that's going to be the case. I'll be honest with you, Bob. Sitting here right now, I feel differently. I, I, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if that is going to be the case more than I ever have. Are you wondering? Not really. You know why? What? Money. Money. I mean, he paid a lot of money to Chris Ballard and to Frank Reich when he gave them both extensions. And if you go back many years ago, um, to when they uh, kept Pagano and got rid of Grixon, why they keep Pagano? Money. I mean, you don't want to pay two guys to not work for you. So I, I really believe that that Ballard will stay. The only way Ballard won't stay is if Ballard himself decides I've had enough of this nonsense and I'm out of here. But I, I don't sense that that's the way he's leaning. I mean, I I don't know for sure, but you know that's. He's got kids in school here. He's got, you know, he's got his family. He's got a nice paycheck until 2026. So why would you up and leave? Now, easy for me to say, Bob. Easy for me to sit here with somebody else's cash flow and say, can this really be about money, considering what has consistently over the years been said about Jim Mercy going above and beyond monetarily? Nothing matters. He will pay for it. Uh, is it wrong for me to sit here and say this is one of those times when it also should not matter? Yeah, I agree. I, uh, to me, I hate when the GM and the coach are not aligned. In the, uh, they're not on the same timeline, you know. And, you know, I was thinking about this today, and I mentioned it in a column that will appear in The Athletic tomorrow. If they hire Jeff Saturday full-time, you're going to have a head coach who, who Chris Ballard reportedly didn't want, want uh, yeah. to, you know, to, to, to be hired yeah. as an interim coach. So what kind of relationship is that going to be? Nah, you continue the foobar and the chaos that the season has been. I mean, there's there's no ending to it. And listen, six years for the general manager is enough to show you know what you can do. And we've seen everything that basically he has built break down right in front of us, especially this season. And you know, it's funny we were talking about the Pacers in terms of blowing it up, and yeah, you know, the the Pacers are going to have to rethink their situation. And you know, for the Colts, I think they're going to have to rethink theirs. It it needs to. You got to go all the way with this thing to me. And when you mentioned Jeff Saturday, there just is no way in the world you can sell anybody around here on justifying bringing him back to me. No, I mean, you know, look, he was set up to fail. Yes, you're he, right. You know, he was set up to fail. He was taking over a, a beat down football team 
that, uh, you know, decided to make a change quarterback. Reich uh, did not want to make that change. And if he did, he wanted to go with Foles as opposed to uh, Ellinger. Now, whether that would have made any kind of difference based on what we've seen from Foles, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's an atrocity right now. It's really bad. And I'd like to see them blow it up and start over with a new, a new GM and a new coach. You know, as much as everybody loves Jeff Saturday, you know, I, I mentioned in my column tomorrow, we all wanted this to work. We all want we all wanted to see Jeff be successful, and it hasn't happened. And and the losses have become increasingly more uh, egregious as we go along. And that's why that's all on Jim Irsay. Because to me, as you waited, and then you throw this out here in the off season and let us debate it, you know the pros and the cons all off season. At least give him a a fresh start. I'm not suggesting that he still you know would not you know get swallowed up by being the head coach of a football team but we all knew what was going to happen with this team and not only has it happened but it has been even worse since he's taken over yeah look i you know when i when i go to somebody for i don't know a medical procedure or want to get my roof fixed i want somebody with experience with significant hands-on experience and excuse my voice uh it's been a month like this so Excuse my my rasp. No, it's all, I, I dealt with this two weeks ago. Oh, so yeah. it was it was it was not good. I wasn't sick. I just my voice was gone for whatever reason. Yeah, that's how I was. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I want somebody with experience who's done it before. And you know, I guess you could say, well, now Jeff's got experience. But you know, uh, I don't know that eight games as an interim coach uh, really gives you the kind of you know, lifelong experience that you need to be a head coach in the NFL. How serious might Jim Mersey be regarding any possibility, uh, any interaction with Jim Harbaugh? Is there anything here at all in your estimation or not? I think there will be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know uh, if there has been yet. I mean, there's always back channel maneuverings, you know, uh, where you talk to their agent and you, you, you get things set up. But I think it's, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, Harbaugh says he's not doing this. He's not doing that. You know, I, I, I don't tend to believe that. Uh, I think if the right opportunity came along, whether it was Carolina or Denver or Indy, I think he would, he would go for it. I, well, Carolina or Denver, I, I just think Indy is such a cluster at this point that I don't know that he'd want to put himself in that position. You got a team that's going to completely rebuild with a new quarterback. You've got an owner who's meddling like crazy. You've got a GM. We don't know where he is. So, I mean, if you're Jim Harbaugh and you basically have your pick of wherever you want to go, I would think Indy would be on the bottom of that list. Hey, Bob, would you agree with me on this though? If let's just say hypothetically, the Colts and Jim Irsay were to hire Jim Harbaugh. Don't you think that that would give Jim Irsay more peace of mind to do what he did back during the Napoleon and Dungey era and then step away and do his thing and let them do theirs football-wise? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing Jim has to do, and I want to hear it come out of his mouth, is I need to step back. I mean, that's what he did during the Napoleon years. 
Um, and we, we saw what kind of success they had. Now, look, he does get involved. I mean, there, there's no question he was involved during the polling years. You know, he was very, very much a part of the decision to not only draft Peyton Manning, but it was his decision to let Peyton go. Um, and I think his instincts over the years have been, by and large, very good. But he has missed the mark really badly this year. And, you know, there's a lot of people to blame for what's happened uh, to the Colts this year. But I think Jim is probably uh, the leader in the clubhouse. Man, no question about that. He can't get rid of himself, though. So, he no. got, and that, no. that, see, it's going to take a lot of money to get Harbaugh. That's why. That's why. To me, we've heard so much about Jim in the past, completely being supportive monetarily of anything that he believes is going to get this franchise and its fan base close to winning or involved in winning. And you got to go all the way on this thing, especially if what you said earlier. If you have a a general manager, general manager that truly you haven't been on the same page with, with hiring and bringing in Jeff Saturday, I don't see how that works moving forward can't be about money and then the question well first of all you know the penner family they're the walmart folks you know they along with Cronky, but uh they're walmart they got walmart money that jim ursay he's got money believe me he's got money but he ain't got walmart money you know so i think i think other teams and 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 the guy in uh in carolina is is absolutely loaded so I, I think I think there are better opportunities for Harbaugh uh, elsewhere. You know, Denver is kind of a cluster too, but I think I really do think that Russell Wilson is ultimately fixable to a certain degree, as opposed to the Colts who don't have a quarterback who are going to be starting over with uh, Will Levis or C.J. Stroud or who, whoever they decide to pick. So. Um, you know, and they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay to get somebody here. I, I just feel like they're they're such a mess right now that anybody in their right mind who's got choices is not going to not going to pick the Colts as their future place of employment. So Bob Kravitz with us, C.J. Stroud and Jim Harbaugh, quarterback and head coach. That just feels right, doesn't it? It, it does feel right. <laughs> yes, he's from that school down south. It just feels right. It's Bob Kravitz with us. All right, let's move to the Pacers. Big one in Philly coming up later on tonight. I'm curious. uh, You've been adamant regarding Kevin Pritchard and Miles Turner most likely being dealt away, and you've been pretty firm on that uh, prior to or around the trade deadline. Where do you stand on that philosophy now? Have they changed up their blueprint to the point to where believing in this thing being well ahead of schedule and trying to figure out a significant way to keep 33 longer term in the fold well first of all i uh i was wrong uh i think that has to be said so mea culpa mea culpa um i think things did change i think the fact that team played so well and the fact that miles uh seems so happy with uh you know playing with halliburton and, and this group uh, i i know at the beginning of the season that there was no interest in Miles coming back, whether that was on Miles on Miles' behalf or the or the Pacers, I I tend to believe that Miles had no interest in coming back. But I think playing, you know, being the only big on the team on the starting lineup and not having to deal with Sabonis clogging everything up, 
I think that's changed everything. And Miles, your boy Miles is playing great, <laughs> great basketball right now, and he fits into this team beautifully. Now, what what kind of money we're talking? I don't know, but um, when the season began, I was uh, under every impression that there was no way that Miles was was coming back. And I think the way this season has unfolded, and Miles can say otherwise if he if he so chooses, but the way this season has unfolded, I think he's much happier here than than he was, uh, you know, when the season began. And so, you know, circumstances change and people's views change, and I think that's what's happened here. Well, and you bring up a point where the viewpoint of Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle, I'm sure, have changed dramatically considering where they were to start the season. And when Rick Carlisle was on this show, you know, kind of prepping everybody for the worst, saying, you know what, this is going to require patience. And this is well ahead of the schedule that we thought. And, Bob, it's well ahead of the schedule that they thought as well. Oh, there is absolutely no doubt. And you you look at the uh, – I guess somebody was telling me in Vegas they had the over-under for the Pacers at, what, 22 22- 23 wins, something like that. 23 and a half or somewhere in that neighborhood, exactly, yeah. And where are they at now, 22? I mean, they're already there. We're not even at the all-star break. This has been one of the great stories in the NBA. I'm glad they're starting to sell out and get some, some bigger crowds in there. This team is a joy to watch. And I'm telling you, man, I got a story running probably on the 10th or 11th about Tyrese Halliburton. What a what I mean, talk about a trade that worked well for both teams. Yeah, you know Sacramento's playing great, uh, Sabonis is playing great, Pacers playing great, Halliburton's been tremendous, but this guy is really the Pied Piper man, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, uh, why Turner is thinking about coming back because it's a chance to play with Halliburton, who will get him the ball in spots where he can score and do things. Elite-level, willing passer. And we both know this, Miles has never played with that. In these high ball screen actions we see, constantly has never played with that. No. I mean, Miles, Miles, you know, Miles, you know, uh, I wrote at the beginning of the season, you know, it's put up or shut up, and he is absolutely put up. He's been tremendous. You know, I, I really felt like he'd have – a pretty good year because he's in a contract year and he's got every, you know, personal reason to want to be good. But I just think he's fit in so beautifully with this team. And again, I, I think so much of that comes back to Tyrese and I think Buddy Heald and, and everybody else. And let me tell you something. I, I have not looked throughout the NBA to see what other coaches are doing, but Rick Carlisle has to be a very strong consideration for coach of the year if uh, things can continue on this trajectory. Yeah, completely agree. Now, we also reserve the right to understand that, for example, if 33 and if Embiid plays tonight and he gets worked over, that we're not going to go too far either way. If they play well, we're not going to go too far in that direction, or if they take a beating and Miles does too with Embiid, because Embiid's giving everybody a beating this season, oh, then we're not yeah. going to get too far on the other side. So, oh, a- Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Look, you, you, I don't look at one game. I look at I look at all of them, and he's been really good. He's, uh, you know, is he worth a max? No, I mean, Albert's worth a max, but uh, 
you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what the numbers are for miles, what they're going to decide, but uh, he's certainly a big piece of what they do. And if they want to move on in this direction, I, I would have no problem with that. I knew there was going to be a point in time when I brought everybody back to pro miles around here. I knew it. I knew there was going to be a point if I hung with it. You did. You did. And, you know, whether he signs or not, I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, they're going to give it till I think, March 1st, and then they have to make a decision. But my understanding at the beginning of the season was that he that Miles was not interested in, in a long-term extension to stay here. But, you know, you look at the way this team is playing, the way he's playing, he seems incredibly happy. Um, I don't understand what any of his emojis mean, but he seems happy. So <laughs> God bless him. You know, I think it's great for great for him. He's he's been a good soldier here, you know. And and if it works out great for him here, then that's all the better. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's uh, Bob Kravitz right there. The Athletic, his uh, latest. You can check out on the Athletic site. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, I tell you what, what helps a voice is larceny bourbon so we're at coach's tavern tomorrow you throw a couple of down and maybe that voice will be right back into a tip-top shape remember uh, that I'll tell you what i i've just discovered the joys of bourbon yes and i won't mention the uh the, t- the kind of bourbon that i'm drinking because you got your larceny and all that right but uh i'm a big fan well, yeah, it's just going to make your voice better. So you come down yeah. sometime, and it it flows for free, which is also pretty cool. So remember that. So, so I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. All right, buddy. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Speaking of having fun with it, uh, he's going to be a part of a Greg Rakestraw broadcast, I believe, later on tonight. Big Ten Network stuff, the former Hoosier. Dane Fife is on the line with us right now. Where are you on the way to? Oh, well, Lawrence Central, but I'm not there yet. I mean, if I had known that you were going to talk about what camera angle suits you best, I would have, A, finished my soup, and B, I probably would have went and got showered up and ready to go work with Mr. Rakestraw. Well, you think I gave you – I think you weren't prepared for me to uh, give you that much of a lead-in ramp is what you're saying here, right? Correct. Yeah, it is, it is tough to come back from. It's like, it's like um, I don't know, opening up for the Rolling Stones, I think, when I start talking about how good I look on, on camera and then bring you on here eating soup. So it's tough. I think you look good. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm between soup and my wife accidentally sprinkled some uh, kitty litter um, Odor, the odor, odorizer on the on our carpet and uh, nice. Oh, that was that by I, I was it, it was it already used or was it uh, yes. fresh and yeah. new? It's fresh. We do not have a cat, so it was an accident, and it's supposed uh. to go on a you know a two by two kitty litter box. Well, it's on the carpet, and uh, I may not make it through the interview. I think I've ingested quite a bit. Why is uh why is there no cat? I'm not a cat guy. Well, we have two dogs, but why do you have kitty litter and no like cat? No, well, we don't have. She, she, she accidentally um, purchased uh, a 
and didn't realize the large amount of kitty little odor, odorizer. Um, so, <laughs> wait a minute. I, hope it takes, I don't like one of the dogs. I, I, we have two. I only like one of them. I, I guess I can kind of understand if you accidentally buy margarine instead of butter, but how do you accidentally buy a bunch of kitty litter? How's that happen? I might be trying kitty litter odorizer. Ah, uh, okay. Well, see, I um, we have one, and it's not my choice. This was uh, Lainey's choice, and uh, Zeke is our cat, and he's absolutely insane. Insane. Well, given, given the choice, what does Lainey, if she's got to pick one, you or the Oh, the, oh, Zeke, easy. That'd be Zeke, easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel she the would. Same about me and my the two dogs we have. I don't know what it is. Normally, when you get a twelve-year-old girl, she likes to spend a lot of time on the phone. In terms of talking to me, literally, it's like twelve and a half seconds, and then love you, bye. That's it. About twelve and a half does seconds she, per call. Does she go to? Does she go to the cats then? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, FaceTiming with everybody in Center Grove. I think I don't know. Okay. I'll try not to okay. get into that. But, yeah, it's like 12 and a half seconds of a conversation, and then it's, love you, bye, done. Yeah. So yeah. that's her exit strategy each and every time. Where are you going tonight? So I'm going to Lawrence Central. Two uh, really good programs in Park, Stu- Park Tudor and Lawrence Central. Great coaches, too. Al Gooden's one of my favorites. And then Timmy Adams I've known for a long time, fifth year at Park Tudor. I'm looking forward to seeing him coach. I haven't seen him coach yet. Uh, so we, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a battle of the coaching titans, but they're two programs trying to take the next step forward in terms of this season. Uh, I'm gonna have a lot of fun. I get to work with Rakestraw for the first time. Um, have a lot of respect for him. He's kind of a pillar of the greater Indianapolis community. I've known him for a long time, just haven't had a chance to work with him. Now, there's no doubt you're going to have a blast. So, Joshua Mickens is the kid going to Ohio State as a football player, but also is a part of the basketball team and incredibly talented too, correct? Yeah, but Mickens isn't playing. No, he's not playing? They're both him and their point guard, Luter, uh, they're both at, you know, their respective football events. Oh, so they're oh, they're not playing tonight. See, I, I, see no. that's why we needed you on here. I was unaware of that. I was just, I, it was known of his uh, athletic endeavors in both football and basketball. I was kind of curious, but see, that's why we need you here to let us know on that. Oh yeah, he's uh, in the yeah. all, he's in the uh, the All American thing, right? That's what he's doing right Mickens, now, right? Mickens, yeah. yeah. So, uh, good player, nonetheless. Though there's no question about that. How do you like calling games? I know you did Michigan State for Big Ten Network. What was that a week ago? You enjoy that? Yeah, December 30th. I, I love it. I, I don't know if it loves me, but I love it. I love talking basketball. Um, you know, you get a great seat for the game. I don't have the stress of um, you know winning and losing. You know, still prepare. You prepare kind of like you do as a coach. You prepare for the game, like at least I do. Kind of like the, you do as a coach, and and so uh, that aspect um, kind of keeps me involved. Help keeps me uh, up to speed as far as scouting concerned is concerned. I scouted Buffalo in and Michigan State, like I did as a Michigan State Spartan. So um, just staying involved, but uh, great seat, great seat. I got to work with Kevin Kugler, who calls NFL games for Fox. He just did the the Raiders 49ers the other night. Awesome guy. Bart Fox was a producer. He's an IU grad, kind of one of the best in the business with college basketball. 
It's a heck of a deal. Man. Now I get to work with Rake Straw tonight. Now we're going to see. the life. Yeah, you do have a great life. You got kitty litter and you're eating soup and everything's happening for you. I love that. I do. If I could just get paid to do so. Every yeah. every every day, dude, with Dane Fife joining us right now, too. Now, do you have more games for the Big Ten Network on the schedule, or is this kind of a week-to-week thing when you find out? I'd say it's probably more of a week-to-week thing for me. Yeah, I got in on the kind of the – I got in late. Uh, as far as uh, what they're, you know, trying to when they were putting things together, so I think they're they're really probably just trying to fit me in when when they have room or somebody cancels, and that's all I could ask for. Big Ten's been great. The Big Ten Network's been great to me. They've been very accommodating, supportive. So um, who knows? Maybe I'll be calling a Hoosier game or a Butler game because Big Ten works with Fox. Yeah, so I might get a Butler game. Who knows? Well, I'm going to be watching. We'll be tuned in. You're living in Bloomington too, right? I am in the the um, outskirts, the Bloomington outskirts. Where where at? Where out of the outskirts? Where are yeah, you? Know, I know Bloomington out well. By the mall and out by the mall, past the mall. Are you? Do you live in Hyde Park? Is that where you live? Nope. Nope. At the fields? Nope. Are you rocking in the fields out there? Nope. Okay. No, I, no, because then you'll want to come over. I'm not. Oh no, yeah, there's no doubt. I'll find. Hey, it doesn't matter. You you don't have to tell me. I'll find your ass. You know that. I know that. Uh, wife, <laughs> I'm not finding where you uh, are. There's uh, somebody with a loud pickup. He's got the NASCAR muffler. <laughs> He's got Johnny on his license plate. Yes, yes. I'll find you. No worries. No worries about that. So out by out by the mall is where you are. Yeah. So yeah, you better getting on the road if you're going to get up here in a little bit too. Well, I got to be there at six thirty. I can do it in an hour. I don't need. Hey, I don't need you telling me how to drive. You know. Hey. I, I didn't come on this show to have you tell me four how four to drive. four sixty four sixty five south to southeast to east. That's where you're going, right, LC? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that can be a trouble trouble area yeah, at that time of day. I'm just trying to tell you. That's true. We don't have JD and. Uh, Willie, uh, the old uh, state <laughs> cops that would get you through. <laughs> yes. That's true. It's the old good. Coach Knight buddies. I love Stop the old state it. cops that would give you a little bit yeah. of help for back in the day. So. Sorry, but good luck. Good luck this year. Sorry I pulled you over. No problem. <laughs> State five no problem. is with us. That's great right there. I, curious uh, with what you saw in the Boilermakers loss to Rutgers on Monday. It just seems like that's just Rutgers M.O. And in a big game situation like that, man, you like having their dudes, don't you? Well, Paul Mulcahy, the, the point guard, it seems like he's been there forever. He's He's like a point center, point forward. Uh, we when we play when he played here in Bloomington against against us last year, uh, when I was a coach at IU, you could just see then that what Rutgers has in Paul Mulcahy is just an absolute leader. I talked about it last night um, to nobody because um, nobody listens to me, but he's probably the best leader in the Big Ten. What does that mean? That means that he runs their huddles when when stuff goes down. When they need a voice, it's Paul Mulcahy rallying everybody together, telling the team instead of the coaches. And that's a great Tom Izzo line. You know, I'd rather have a player coach team than a coach coach team. Right? What we're what you're seeing with Rutgers is they've got a player coach team, 
and it starts with Mulcahy. But I'll say this, and uh, I haven't talked to Coach Painter, but this is going to be a blessing in disguise for Purdue because, one, it removes that number one distraction, number one in the country. It's great to have, but it allows Purdue, I think, to get back and refocus uh, because what I saw from Purdue was just a lack of ex- execution, and that's something that that we've all been kind of spoiled with watching Purdue is they they execute so well on offense. I think they they kind of got away from maybe um, you know the 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 tightness of of executing in in offensive sets and really digging in defensively. So I think this allows Coach Painter the leeway to. Um, to get their attention again, and and this will this will be a blessing for Purdue, and they'll really grow, grow from this loss at home. It's, uh, Dane Five, who is with us, you mentioned my NASCAR muffler a little bit earlier, and you also mentioned in terms of you know getting that number one target off your back. Is it better this time of year to be drafting a little bit? As far as the national rankings are concerned, or I know everybody wants to be number one, and that's that's great, that's gratifying, uh, but it's you know meaningless other than putting a, an even larger target on your back this time of year. Is it better off you've seen and coached and been a part of teams in the past to draft a little bit this time of year? Well, it's well known at Michigan State, you know, you know, among the players and the assistant coaches, that there's nothing worse than than dealing with Tom Izzo when he's ranked number one, because. It's so hard to keep everyone focused, including yourself, um, because everybody loves you. Everybody's talking about you. Um, the expectations become much more intense. Uh, and so it's hard to improve when you're number one. Um, so I would say, um, you know, it's it's definitely better to be, you know, Rowdy Burns than um, – than um, Cole Trickle, you know, Rubin's racing, and you Man. want him. You run him drafting. You want to be drafting rather than leading right now. And I think it's best for everyone on the team if if you're not number one. What did I just say there? No, I, I you you I gave us some days of thunder references here. You probably gave a bunch of NASCAR fans an incredible sports arousal with those two name I drops. So. Yeah, that's, that's, days of thunder is such a great movie. I think they should do a spinoff of Roddy Burns. It, you know, I don't remember the actor's name, but he was incredible. Yeah, uh, Michael, I've had him on the show before too. So oh, yeah, he has been because he was also he was I think some of the uh, first seasons of uh, uh, the Walking Dead, I believe, right? Mm. Um, and he's he's I actually he's actually been on this show before, if you can believe that. So kind of jealous. Hell, hell of a cast right there. There's no, Michael Rooker is who it was, and he was Michael he called Rooker. in this show. Well, he was with his family at Disneyland, and he called wow. into the show, and we talked about uh, talked about that and uh, a lot of other stuff he's been involved with. Great credentials Michael Rooker has as Roddy Burns as well. Been, had to have been funny when Tom Cruise grabbed the pool stick and broke it in half, or was it the base? I don't even baseball bat. <laughs> There's no way you can do that without laughing. Well, Tom Cruise could, uh, he probably would do Days of Thunder, too, just like he did Top Gun Maverick. You know what I mean? He still uh, looks like he he did back in the 90s and back in the 80s. So Hey, if it wasn't for Top Gun Maverick, you can have 2022 back. I mean, would you agree with that? You, you can keep You know, I haven't seen it yet. I only watch things from the 1980s. You don't know that? Johnny, 
That's a crime. I know. I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet. It's I haven't. You're a sick man. Have you? And no, you, you didn't go to the. I, you didn't go to the theater, right? You know, I haven't been to the movie theater since. Get this, September twenty first, nineteen ninety nine. Okay, now you you haven't been to the Starlight in Bedford, Indiana. Then? I haven't been to the Starlight. I didn't go to the Y I didn't go to the Indiana Theater, the Von Lee. None of that. None. I have one, not been. One of the great. One of the great things about being unemployed is you can kind of go to the movie. You can go to the matinees now during the week. So me and Mr. Brad Clapper went to um, <laughs> the movie theater here in Bloomington, and we were two of five people. And Brad Clapper did not stop talking. Finally, mid-movie, I had to tell him to just shut the hell up. I'm actually trying to watch them. He wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> and we're two of five people during a matinee uh, on a Thursday watching Top Gun Maverick. And I do it all over again, minus Brad Clapper. Did you go it was to, incredible. Did you go to that theater over there by where you live, where McCree's Deli used to be? Is that no, one? That one? No, we went to the one, the the newer, the newer one, um, over off of Third uh, Street. Oh, you went over to the West Side. Man, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that you mingled with the folks like me over there on the west side oh, no, and no, over into GC. Kind of yeah, that's one thing you don't you don't really understand about me. I can I can fit in with just about everybody. Man. There's an asterisk there by just about everybody. <laughs> just about everybody. I really can. I really can. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm trying to give everybody uh, a little point of position to where you live over there by where McCree's Deli used to be, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, just past uh, Renwick, it's a newer addition there. Yeah. Renwick's know. kind of that. We almost moved in there, but um, houses are a little too close together. I need some yard, man. Well, you got to get some yard, especially if you have Clapper spend the night because he has to like sleep in the outbuilding or something. You don't let him in the house, do you? No, no, my yeah. wife will not permit that. Can imagine. He uh, he has a extra pore after midnight. This extra pore he has on his body starts emitting an odor that <laughs> you just don't want in your house. It's worse than this kitty litter odorizer my wife put on the carpet. I'm telling you, I don't know if anybody out there is thrilled with you bringing up Brad Clapper's extra pore on this show here at 420. Oh, he's a smelly man. He's a, yeah, he can't be at 420 after in the midnight. afternoon. After so. midnight. <laughs> hey, uh, it's day five with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He and Greg Raystraw have Park Tudor and Lauren Central coming up later on tonight, so I would advise you to watch that. I'm kind of curious. Um, IU is not going to play a game in basically a two-week period. Um, how difficult is it going to see them get back into things in Iowa City coming up tomorrow night? Well, I think it will be difficult, but you know, because a common rule of thumb, and, it, and rules are rules of thumb are even made to be broken, but is anything beyond a week is usually a struggle, um, based on my experiences. But I think long term, you know, if it works right, you know, I, I think the, the scheduling, the schedule master there, whoever it may be at IU, might come out a hero because. It does allow guys like Trace Jackson Davis, um, you know, Jalen Hood Shafino, uh, and anybody else who had Jordan Geronimo who has who had a uh, injury to I think his hand. It allows those guys to to get healed and healthy, and it also allows Coach Woodson and staff 
a chance to to tie in loose ends and to reflect on you know the the preseason and fix anything that needs fixing because what what's hard to come by nowadays are really good practices and depending on when the Indiana players came back from Christmas break they could get some really good practices in which I think could could serve them well long term I think that's more of a value in that practice than maybe adding another Kennesaw State type of game in there just kind of the bridging the gap there's more value in that in your estimation I think so because they they know what they're up against now with the Big 10 the bulk of the Big 10 season looming I you know the flip side is 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 you get sick of playing against one another um and you know you kind of get stuck in the mud and, and stop improving and and then you go and you're you're lethargic come you know come tomorrow night against Iowa but either way I do think this could serve Indiana well long term uh just from the simple fact that it allows guys like that I mentioned allows them to get fully 100% healthy get back in shape and get back in the flow of things Dane Fife, the former Hoosier. Dane Fife, the television basketball analyst, whether we're talking high school or college, Big Ten as well. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Now, you probably haven't seen this. I just want to kind of ask from your, your standpoint. So I saw, I saw where Trace Jackson Davis tweeted out a handwritten letter he received from a fan uh, I'll lose, use that in quotations loosely, that had uh, basically put him on blast, as they would say today. It was a scathing handwritten letter to Trace Jackson Davis, and not so much because I'm sure you haven't seen this, but h- how many of those did you get? Was that something that you you felt was common back in the day? Do you get stuff like this? Because this is, this is not good, and somebody took a lot of time to, to uh, do this handwritten letter in scathing terms to trace i was just kind of curious did you ever experience that when you were a player i, I honestly can't remember and to be, honest, to be to be truthful i mean let's face it i was a four point a game scorer now i'd imagine that jared jeffries and and, and uh tom coverdale and guys that that you know scored a lot luke wrecker you were a dude though uh, you're yeah, a you're a major dude i i wasn't i wasn't i was more of like a cult following Guys like JMB and <laughs> yes. the ultimate Jersey chaser, Brad Clapper, uh, would follow me. But you, you, were, you were a cult guy where Clapper was a Jersey chaser. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think um, I, I think that it comes with the territory. It really does. I mean, I, I didn't read the letter, but... Yeah, I didn't well, want to get into it because I, I, you haven't seen it. I knew that. I just, I just in general, as far as your experiences in the past, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Hate yeah, hate mail, and I'm kind of curious if social media. Do you become more numb to it now because you don't necessarily have to to do the hate mail thing? You can just, you know, instantaneously fire something off in social media. Um, I'm just kind of curious how often something like this were were to have occurred when you played. Well, I'll give the if it, you said it was a handwritten. Yeah, letter. It's a handwritten letter. It is, it is pretty ridiculous. You can barely read it, but man, this this mm-hmm. guy is going well, off. No, you can barely read. It. I yeah, I can barely. I yeah, from, that's in, yeah, that's. I'm describing me that here. That wasn't very nice. That so, was not very nice. Barely I'm read kidding. it. I'm, 
But I, I'll tell you, you know, depending on what, there's nothing too inappropriate. I give the guy credit or girl, whoever, that they actually wrote it instead of blasted it on social media. I mean, that's that's kind of what should happen if, if if you got something to send to somebody and you're pretty frustrated with them. But um, no, I, I don't remember it too much. I, I can remember being at a bar and, and people would yell stuff at us. But um, what did they yell at you? Most of it was true. You know, get a jump shot, <laughs> uh, make a free throw, uh, quit passing to the wrong team. Uh, man, you're a lot uglier in person. You know, just things like that. Uh, but I understand it. But it still, it comes with the territory. You yeah, know, you, right? You, you know, so Trace posted it. Yeah, yeah, it's up there right now. Somebody, I didn't, right. I didn't see it until somebody had. Uh, had sent it to me as we were talking and i didn't want to get into the nuts and bolts because you know it's just whatever but i just kind of was curious how often and and the other thing that occurred to me is you know you you bring up how easy we both did how easy it is to to get to basically anybody right now via social media what what did you do to to try to to coach these guys up uh, about the pitfalls that come with this because i mean it it can drive somebody crazy if you let it I mean, anybody. Well, and I'm assuming you probably funny. wanted to keep these guys away from that. When I first got the job at Michigan State, it was 2011. And myself and Susie Merchant, who's still the head women's coach there, we're in talking with Coach Izzo. And the irony of the whole thing is he hates social media. Uh, but he was saying in 2011, Twitter is going to ruin the world. He goes, you just wait. Twitter's going to ruin the world. And I said, I, I, I agree, we agree with you, Coach. You keep you want us to argue. We're not arguing, but Twitter also is a necessity as it relates to getting finding information out about your recruits and their families. Um, but now we come full circle here in 2023, and, and Twitter has done some damage. Um, but I think what I've learned, and because Coach Izzo was such a staunch um, I shouldn't say proponent, but such a such a staunch anti-social media person. We learned all the ins and outs of the the damage that it can cause and the damage that it can do to mainly someone's uh, uh, someone's psyche, the way they feel about themselves. And a big part for me in trying to teaching t- trying to teach parents, my own daughters, is it's not so much. I think we've done a good job in society for the most part, at least in the athletic world of what we're well aware of what we write and what we post on social media and, and understand how to do that appropriately. The problem and what we don't understand is it isn't what we post now. It's, it's what we read about ourselves because that stuff doesn't leave you. It stays with you. The negative, the negativity, the negative stuff, that you read about yourself, you get the same rush, whether it's positive or negative when you read something about yourself, but the negative stuff doesn't leave you. And when you're young, you know, when you're in your early twenties, when you're in your teens, you don't realize the destruction that you're doing to yourself. Your, your, how you feel about yourself. Sorry to get so deep there, but you asked, no, no. I, I think that that's absolutely right. And you, you, when you were playing, didn't have to to deal with it and you know certainly i'm you know even you know further back than you i didn't have to deal with it and i would have i would have completely messed this thing up 
Like nobody's yeah. business messed this thing up. And I, I've got to give a lot of credit to many in the younger generation because they are held to a much higher out there in everybody's public eye standard. I mean, I just had to worry about somebody with a, you know, a Kodak Instamatic camera. Right. And you knew yeah. that when the flash yeah, exactly. was coming. Right. And yep. and I don't have to worry about any of this, but we sure as hell do with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. The rule of thumb for us was make sure it's a, a red cup, you know, uh, no middle <laughs> fingers and keep your clothes. Well, up. I couldn't uh, I, I could not. I always my one rule was never pass out at a party where I'm at a party with my friends because that's when the pictures come out and I don't want to be a part of that. So that was kind of just always make sure you don't fall asleep or anything like that at a party with your friends. But no, it's just, and you're right when in terms of talking about our kids because I I explain that to mine all the time and uh, hopefully it comes across and they understand. But I'm never truly sure, Dane, if, if they do. Full disclosure. I don't no, know. I, I I agree, and it's constant monitoring, and you still can't do a feel like you do a great job with it. But I think the destruction that it's doing to our young people, I don't. You know, history will tell us, but um, just the way these these algorithms and the, the manipulation of of minds, um, it, it's beyond the scope of what you know jocks like you and I can comprehend. Um, and it's pretty incredible, these studies, and we don't know if even the studies are true or not, but it's pretty incredible what we're finding. You know, the social, uh, what's the Netflix um, show, the the documentary, um, the social experiment, experiment. Was it on after Andy Griffith? Because if it wasn't, I probably didn't watch it. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're I'm sorry. I'm shows. sorry. Did no, it come on after Roadhouse? Shut up. I got another question. Roadhouse, yeah. <laughs> if it was after Roadhouse, then maybe I saw it, but I'm not I'm not sure. So, yeah. I'm, oh, God. Some people will tell you that I'm stuck. Patrick Swayze. Love you. I am stuck in a couple of decades here, man. So, kind of. But anyway, no, I, I'm glad that you were here to ask that question because you've had you've had to deal with this on you know a couple of generational levels uh, uh, mm-hmm. at a point to where nobody else had and I knew you'd have a really good perspective on that so well it's it's um, if anybody's looking to hire me I can give some consulting on the dangers of social media so there there's a my second plug out there no you know, you seriously hey seriously up. offer up your knowledge brian, brian brian indiana firm bureau he was the man be near we already met you hooked me up how did the how did the brian near lunch go i heard a little bit about it did you guys hit up mother bears did i hear that accurately we did we did i was taken aback i didn't even know we had a second mother bears here and uh, Brian Ball, oh, see, you great. said you go on the west side. Oh, yeah. See, my my peeps are over there on the west side of Bloomington, and that's where oh, the yeah. new location is. I, I have, I do not have a problem with the west side at all. I mean, that's where you know I got my first flat tire. You know, Tom's west side tow truck. Yeah, they took care of me, man. I got no problem. You with drive the west into Green side. County very often. Try not to. Nope. Try not to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I just I don't have any reason to do that. Um, yeah, know, I, I don't mind. I, I love Green County. I love I, I love you where, do. where we're at. I love Indiana. I love this part of Indiana, basketball country. It's uh, 
you know, hill country. You know, the weather changes drastically from Indianapolis to here. It does. There's people down here. I'll tell you what, and here's what's funny. If you go to Vincennes or Evansville, it's even more of a weather change. It's like, right? It always seems like it's 10 degrees warmer in Vincennes and Evansville oh, every time of year than it is here or in Bloomington or anyplace else. That is great knowledge. That's that's dropping knowledge. Well, I don't yeah. know I, people. I don't know what people would do without me. Without that particular piece of knowledge right there. No, that is that's good stuff, man. Hey, that's, that's real. Where where did we say we were going? We were going somewhere last time we were on. You and I. We're yeah. Going somewhere together. I think so. Where were we going to go? I can't remember. We we're going to go do something. I don't know. Whatever it is, let's be sure we do it. I'll remember it at some okay. point here, and we'll yeah. we'll do yeah. it. Man, you got to get yeah. on the road because there is no way you're going to get to LC on time. I got to let you go. Yeah, I I'm betting you, I'm betting you that I do. All right. Well, keep me updated via text. I want to see. I don't want lying either because Rakestraw will ultimately tell me the truth. I know that for sure. He's yeah, a truthful he dude. So yeah, I want to know where you are because what time you leaving here. In the next ten I'm minutes, I mean, I'm going to pick my daughter up from back. I don't have to be there till six thirty. You got? It's a, you're thinking two hours? I mean, four sixty-five. They're drinking? not giving you a police escort like this is two thousand and two in the spring. I'll tell them I'm no JMV. <laughs> yeah. I'm picking my daughter. Well, up don't do that because they'll take you somewhere <laughs> different. <laughs> okay, they'll take you somewhere else. If you tell them that, so don't tell them That's that. Cassie. Hey, shout out to the fam. Tell them I said hello, and I'll think of where we where we're going, and uh, we'll get the wheels in motion on that too. Okay, you bye. You got it. I'm unemployed. Appreciate you, buddy. See you. Thank you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. Kevin Bowen joins us. I'll save the Pacers conversation for a little bit. Uh-oh. Is that Rosie? Hey, Kev, are you there? Yeah, you got me? Yeah. Sorry, I'm dropping. Is that Rosie? Get... Yeah, Rosie Bo. No, 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 no. I, lo- I love this. Um, do you do you trust me? Can I can I say hello to Rosie and have Rosie say hello to everybody out here right now? Can you do that? Rosie, can you say hi? Say hi, John. Say hi. Rosie gets very stage fright right about now. Here. She was talkative as heck. Whatever we brought you off of hold here. She was. I think it was like last year that she had. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pass her off to uh, pass her off to mom. mom. <laughs> she was so talkative. I loved it. And then you mentioned my name and everything was shut down. It goes without saying. That's par for the course. It's uh, Kevin Bowen is with us. Is your phone? You may want to step up to the phone a little, but we can't hear you if you're talking to us. You got me now. Sorry I got you. That. That's okay. You good to go? Good, good, good. All right. 
All right, well, say hello to to Rosie and the fam. That was pretty cool coming on and hearing Rosie talking in the background. We'll we'll save the Pacers tonight against the Sixers and, you know, what may be a change, of course, for the remainder of the season from that front office in a minute. We'll start with Rodney Thomas. You were out there a little bit earlier today with the conversation and obviously uh, going back when he was with in high school with uh, DeMar Hamlin and uh, the words he had to say a little bit earlier today, maybe go into some description on uh, uh, exactly what he had to say uh, about his friend that is right now in critical condition in a Cincinnati hospital. Yeah, I, I was I was rather blown away, to be honest with you, John, about how Rodney Tam- Thomas not only handled today, but has really handled the last 48 hours. Um, again, DeMar Hamlin and him, very close. They talk every day. He was explaining they were a year apart in high school, both defensive backs, so, you know, both in the same position group. Um, and basically, uh, Thomas said he kind of left the room on Monday night, and next thing you know, he's got a missed call from his dad. He comes back in the room, and they start FaceTiming, and, and, and they realize, or you know, I think his dad was watching when the hit took place, and, um, and you know, he FaceTimes his dad, and they're kind of walking through everything, and, you know, certainly just, you know, having some sort of, like, coping, you know, five, ten-minute period, and then it kind of hits Rodney Thomas as he sees everything unfold, like, I've got to be in Cincinnati. Um, drives down 74 on late Monday night. I can't imagine, you know, what that drive would have been like thinking potentially, you know, one of your best friends, you know, could be dead. Um, and then gets to the hospital, was able to see, um, DeMar on, on Monday night. Um, and then they, I think he stayed overnight in Cincinnati and then drove back or got back late last night. Um, and has made it very, very clear that this is not something he wants to put like to the side. He wants this at the forefront of his mind, and he wants to go out there and play football on on Sunday. So uh, the fact that he went to Yale probably tells you a whole lot about the type of person that Rodney Thomas is. Um, but this, to me, is less about intellect and more about just an incredible ability to, um, you know, certainly, you know, want to have this great representation for his best friend on Sunday. Um, but everything that he's been through over the last 48 hours, again, I, I just can't imagine at 22, me handling it to the level that he has. Kevin Bowen is with us and that's what everybody needs with the hopefully consistent, um, reports that things are on the upswing, uh, but you also need those those stories because it's been you know for everybody and, and especially those in football as as you can tell, so many have rallied around the toy drive six point six million dollars and I saw where Jim Ursay and the Colts donated uh, upwards of uh, twenty five plus thousand dollars to it and you had Devonte adams tom brady i think robert Kraft donated nearly everybody has donated uh, these positive stories you know a part of what was just an incredibly awful monday night these positive stories are also helpful along with the positive news that you continue to get out of cincinnati hopefully that remains the case yeah without question um yeah i mean it's pretty amazing to see from a foundation standpoint what has happened you know league-wide nationwide all of that um and, and i i think we all understand it and i've been you know thinking about naeem hines as a buffalo bill or even zach moss as a former teammate ironically enough it'll not rodney thomas on the field sunday that was a high school teammate of demar hamlin's with the texans uh, kurt heinish have, have a defensive lineman who played at notre dame who also was a high school teammate of hamlin's so just all these connections and 
you know, from July to January, as maybe cutthroat as it sounds, you, the people you spend the most time with aren't necessarily the people that your family members. They're, you know, your 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 football family. I mean, you were spending um, a large, large chunk of time, especially I think the younger guys. You know, for a lot of these guys that maybe don't have their own families at home, living in their NFL towns, um, you you're spending you know tons of. Uh, you know, time away from the facility with your fellow position groups and you're going out to dinner and hanging out with guys and all of that. And I would think DeMar Hamlin would probably qualify as that. And I think that's part of some of the emotion you saw from Tredavious White, for example, as a fellow defensive back of the Bills on Monday night. So, I mean, the updates, you know, albeit, you know, maybe they're not, you know, the the biggest steps, but they're certainly steps in the right direction. That's all you can ask for. And, um, again, I, I, you know, if I were Rodney Thomas, you know, I don't know how I would totally feel, but part of me would say, hey, you know, is there any way I could wear number three on, on Sunday to kind of further represent DeMar Hamlin? The Colts have a number three. He's on the practice squad. He's a running back. His name escapes you right now. But um, I think it would be a pretty special moment in a game that means very, very little if Rodney Thomas could go out there, represent his friend, and, you know, maybe pull in an interception. So Kevin Bowen in the morning show, Kevin and Query. That's weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I was talking to Bob Kravitz a little bit earlier, and we all go back to that ESPN interview that was uh, taped prior to the, the Minnesota second-half debacle where one of the things that came away from that was Jim Irsay solidifying that Chris Ballard was going to be back. Um, and I think from that point in time, at least up until last week, I felt that that was going to be the case. But I have had a not-so-subtle change in thinking that maybe a decision is made to move on from Ballard, where we are, where this team is right now in the mind of Jim Irsay. Would you agree, or do you agree it's still pretty much set in stone that that Ballard's going to be back for a seventh year? Yeah, I would definitely not use the phrase set in stone. Um, I I don't know if I'm fully with you and having like a total change of heart, but, you know, I think when you and I have had these conversations, John, over the last month or so, what I have come back to and what could get Chris Ballard to not be here next season and I'll say it from the Colts standpoint because I do still think there's an element of you know Ballard he might have to make some decision himself um if he feels like his voice has been muted at all maybe maybe not but um I do think that is something that you know he has to think about but I guess two things kind of have stood out to me about okay um what would it take for Chris Ballard to no longer be the general manager and for Jim Mercer to have a change of heart one is continued embarrassing performances because when you fire the head coach in a way, and Jim Irsay's words said this, he is saying that the personnel is not the issue. It is a coaching issue. So what you do when you fire a coach midseason is you expose the roster. You expose the personnel. Um, well, look at how the roster and the personnel has performed here over the last now two months um, since Jeff Saturday has been the head coach. Um, it's been a worse product than it was with Frank Reich. Um, so the continued embarrassing performances, those never sit well with the owner, let alone on national television, um, let alone the one that we saw on Sunday, which I, I think you can make the argument the Giants might have been the worst performance of the season. Um, and then you go to the second part of it, and this is still to be determined, but I think there is an element of are there any coaches out there that in Jim Irsay's eyes – 
they would have the clout to decide whether or not Chris Ballard should be here or not. You know, Jim Harbaugh, that name obviously has been thrown around. If he wants personnel control, is Ursa willing to basically say, okay, you can have that and Chris Ballard will no longer be here? Is there another coaching candidate out there that, again, in Ursa's eyes, um, would garner that sort of responsibility? It's a lot of responsibility, but is there a candidate out there that you covet so much that that's how you believe? So, uh, what we've had over the past few weeks that has gotten me to maybe back off a little bit of the Ballard 1,000% is coming back is just to continue to bear team performances. I mean, week in and week out, uh, these are not outliers. They are a weekly occurrence, whether the Colts are playing on Monday, Saturday, or Sunday, no matter the day of the week, they continue to be an incredibly embarrassing product on the field. And again, I would argue Sunday uh, is right up there, if not at the top of the list, considering the Giants had not beaten a single team all year by more than eight points, you lose by 28. I don't call the Giants any sort of offensive juggernaut, and they scored 31 offensive points on you as well. Um, So that's where I've kind of come to the conclusion of like, okay, this is not – and really with Ursay calling the shots, we probably can never say anything is ever etched in stone, but I I, I don't think it's 1,000% slam dunk. This is going to be the case – um, you know, come next week. So Kevin Bowen's with us. When I asked Bob this, the, his first response was the money aspect of paying a general manager not to general manage, a coach not to coach, and then new ones to come in to do those jobs. And I know it's easy for me to say because of somebody else's money, but I'm sorry, Kev. Um, we, we've talked, heard, and it's been shouted so much that Jim Mercy would do anything. Money's no object. I don't want to hear anything about this being about money. I don't. Especially if you believe. Yeah. You can't be more of a belief about money. than it, it. You have to be firm in your belief in Ballard. And if you're not, you've got to cut ties. This cannot be financially driven. Would you agree? Yeah. And, and I'll, you know, Bob said something similar to us on Monday. And I'll go back to something Stephen Holder mentioned a few weeks back in that the Chris Ballard, very prudent free agent approach is something the owner kind of nods his head at as well. I mean, there are some owners around the league that are willing to, and we don't need to get in like a whole contract debate on this, but pretty much um, hand out a lot of cash early in a, in a contract, whereas the Colts under this current regime, they don't like to play that game and they like to play a little bit more of a patient game when it comes to handing out money within those, those contracts. So, you know, when I've heard the finance thing, I guess it doesn't totally stun me, but to your point, first off, you can't be in this business, uh, I think the NFL business, and think that you're going to run an Oakland A's type of operation here. Um, And and I'm not saying that the Colts are doing that, but because they were paying Frank Reich a lot of money, um, but that is just a thought. And if you're going to make a move to fire a coach midseason, you've got to be willing, at least open-minded, to – if you need to totally clean house, that you're willing to do that because um, that's where you're at right now. And in my opinion, it's the lowest point of the Jim Ursay ownership. Um, I think if you look at his 25 years as owner, there's no lower point. There's no season that's had greater preseason expectations that have failed um, to this level than this 2022 season. Um, I, I've felt like it's a little bit more ego than finance 
Um, and, and Bob is extremely well connected. Frankly, he's probably more connected than 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 I am. Um, but I, I I always thought firing both of them, Reich and Ballard, would be more of a massive ego check that I don't know if Jim Irsay would be willing to do. Uh, if you think back to the Ryan Grayson Chuck Pagano situation, I think there was some of that there. I mean, when those two individuals, Chuck and Ryan, walked out of that room uh, that Monday night and following the 2015 season, uh, there wasn't a single person inside of that building that truly believed those two were going to mend things and that, uh, yeah, we'll bring in a therapist and everything's going to be you know, gravy. No one thought that. Um, so, you know, he, you know, Chuck should have gone then as well. You, you, you kind of put Chris Bauer behind the eight ball in that first year when you didn't allow for the head coach to be paired up with with the general manager. And I worry about that with this situation. You just extended Reich and Ballard, you know, 16, 17 months ago and called them, you know, whatever, as good of a GM head coaching pairing as anybody in the NFL. And they're both extended through 2026. That's a pretty humbling process to let go of both of them. Again, less than a year and a half after you gave them such really unique extensions, considering the lack of resume that either of them had accomplished to that point. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd probably go a little bit more ego than finance, but if it's a finance issue, oof, you know, good luck creating it, it the type cannot of be. Yeah. you feel like it's necessary. It, it can't be, Kev. It, it, it can't be. It can't be that. And I, I'm telling you, though, I, I am sitting here right now feeling much different than I would have sitting here this time last week. So we'll we'll see where that ends up going. And I uh I just it just seems like um it is different. And and probably with a lot of the description you had of you know where this team has been and what it is and just feeling that, you know, if if you want somebody like a Harbaugh, maybe they wouldn't want to work. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh and I don't know this to be certain, but I don't know if he would want a lot of, you know, com- or let's just say this, complete player control, but certainly a because say. He's one of his own guy. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, say say I, in it he would he would want and I don't know if you could you could sell that. And and that's where you have to start the swing process here to me that's where you have to start this you don't you can double back and go to you know the flavor oc of the the hiring cycle if you want at some point but you got to start to me at the highest of levels if you're jim ursay you know question i've been thinking about the past few days and i and i will throw to you and and i think i know your answer on it but it, it if jeff saturday comes to jim ursay and says you know, you want me as your permanent head coach. I want to be here, but I want to pick my general manager. Would or say, say yes to that, um, and vice versa. You know, if Chris Ballard said, "Hey, you want me to be the GM, but I want to pick a new head coach," would or say, say yes to that. It almost seems like he'd be more willing to grant Saturday that wish than he would Ballard yeah. that wish. Yeah. I, there's a lot I can see, but I certainly am more open to, you know, maybe them moving on from Chris Ballard than I was certainly this time last week or, you know, certainly after hearing what Jim Mercy had to say on ESPN about that. Kevin Bowen of the morning shows on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm upset. And a lot of people say this, hey, your guy's going to get a break tonight because there's no Joel Embiid. He is ruled out with a sore knee. That just came down about five minutes ago. But 
to get a part of where this team is, and we're all kind of asking, all right, is this real? And we've seen them against high-level competition be real and win. I think part of this is also wanting to see Miles against Embiid, like tonight, or the Pacers playing on the road against a top-level talent. I'm disappointed that Embiid's not playing this evening, Kev. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, by the way, I think it's a very very mature answer by you there as well. Um, but I, I do but, think but there's not that I, I want to. I still want to stick everybody where it hurts. Don't get me wrong on all this, and I am just not right now. Yes. Yeah, you know, I was saying earlier today, and I think there are plenty of numbers to back it up. Of you know, Joel Embiid has absolutely owned the Pacers. He's owned Miles Turner to a level that you know really no other Eastern Conference team comes close to it. I mean, his biggest average in the NBA uh, of any team in the Eastern Conference is against the Pacers. Um, So I I do think this was an important game for Miles. Of course, Miles missed the first matchup this year, and Embiid played like 25 minutes and had his way with Isaiah Jackson and Gogo Batadze. So um, I am bummed because, you know, a step where I feel like Miles has made this season, um, particularly in the Rudy Gobert matchup, was, you know, more than holding his own in that matchup. And Gobert is not Embiid, but he's a guy that Miles has made public comments about, and he's a guy that Miles has had struggles with, I'd argue, a little bit more on the international stage uh, when France played the U.S. in the World Championships a few years ago. Um, And so just to watch Miles and his progression, I was curious, all right, Embiid is clearly the, you know, the – the gold star of this class and obviously is one of the best players in the NBA and has his way with a lot of guys. But if Miles is going to be known as unquestionably one of the best defenders in the league, I think some of that's got to come in this matchup, not to hold him be to 10 and eight, but to not let him go for 30 and 15, like he does on an annual basis whenever he faces Indiana. So, um, cause we know Miles is, an unbelievable off-ball defender, his help side, the rim protection, all of that. It's more of a man-to-man standpoint is where that elite, elite status, um, I think it's fair to just hold off and have a little pause for it. So I am bummed by it. Yeah, I saw that he's added to the injury report today. I mean, hell, he had 42 and whatever he had on Monday. So uh, just selfishly, I was really looking forward to the matchup. And the Pacers are playing great, great basketball. I mean, there's no doubt about that. 21 and 17, they're six in the East. But I, I all, I think all of us can kind of sit here and say a win or a loss over Philadelphia on a Wednesday night in early January is not the end of the world. It's more about, again, continuing to put this team in situations where they're all, they are playing in these sort of, you know, kind yeah, of. You, well, you got you got stuff to figure out here. You got to right, th- because right, right. Kev, I think we both understand that that blueprint to start the season has been thrown out. I mean, they're on to Plan B right now, and and you got to get more of a feel against teams like this, especially on the road. Agree, right? And, and you've obviously played some good teams here in in recent weeks, but you know you haven't seen Philly since the first week of the season or second week, whenever that game was. So yeah, I, I do think it's important, and I'm very curious just how the next few weeks will unfold. How much of that is going to dictate what happens? at the deadline because, you know, I, I've obviously been extremely impressed. I, I did think Indiana would be better than, than I probably most thought entering the season, but I'd be lying to you if I thought 21-17 and 17 as we approach the midway point of the year. Um, I, I, I still am probably in a little – and you and I probably disagree on this. It's still in a little bit of a, 
boy, let's just, you know, I don't know if you want to do anything too, too different than what you're planning at the start of the year. From a deadline standpoint, I do think extension for Miles is certainly something that you have to entertain. I don't love paying big guys super money like that, but at the same time, I look at this roster and think, wow, Isaiah Jackson's been Fort Wayne tonight. It's not like you have anybody behind him. Like, if you were to trade a healed, not that they're the exact same player by any means, but, you know, a guy like Benedict Matherin and, and getting more minutes, you know, that would be a little bit more understandable from a depth chart standpoint. You got nobody at center right now that I think you would classify in anywhere close to the Matherin uh, point of view. So I, I'm just very interested to see what happens the rest of January and how that impacts the, the deadline. I do think just a major credit to Tyrese Halliburton, not only for how he's played, that kind of speaks for itself, but I just think what he's brought to this franchise, I, I, I don't know this for a, a fact, but I would think that Miles Turner would not be having the sort of feelings he's having about Indiana if Malcolm Brogdon was still here. Um, I, I just think what Halliburton does and how enjoyable he is to play with um, and his presence in general, I think is, you know, just created a totally different atmosphere for this team. And, and I think, I, I don't know if you're going to be attracting, you know, gobs and gobs of free agents. But I think the reason why DeAndre Ayton was somewhat enticed by the opportunity, a guy that had zero connections here, was, I think, what Halliburton showed at the end of last year. And obviously, that's only grown this season. Well, you know, that's what Ananobi was telling him after the game the other night, how much he wanted to join him. You saw that, right? Yeah, and if I were Halliburton, I would have said, um, tell those in the organization <laughs> that they drafted T.J. Leaf over, over you. Obviously, I don't know that he said that, but uh, a lot of speculation <laughs> was that when he was whispering in the ear and, and uh, they were having that covered mouth conversation that maybe they were talking about. Boy, and I know he wanted to play here. Can you imagine this group with Ananobi? I mean, we, no. We, we, I, well, that's you, you think about somebody like that oof. to add to this team? That's like the missing piece, in that's, my opinion. That's an eyeball opener. I, I mean, even like some, I've even talked about Kyle Kuzma to a lesser degree. You know, just anything else to add to that. I know he makes a lot of money, and I know nobody's thrilled with that, but that's at least a name that has, has been yeah. tossed around. And this is something that I was completely unprepared for. And I know you guys would agree because Rick Carlisle came on and basically said, hey, you know, preach patience. This is going to take a little bit. And this is surprising, as surprising to them as it is to us. It is. Oh, I I mean, I've said it numerous times on the morning show. I, I made a friendly wager at the start of the year of the Pacers to win 30 or more games. Um and I can't tell you how many people very close and within that building saying to me, what are you doing? <laughs> like, there is no chance that we are winning at least 30 games. Uh, I think a lot of people felt like they would not even sniff maybe even that over-under of 23 and a half. And, like, once you get to the deadline, you know, that's when things can really, really bottom out and if and when they were to make trades. But at this point – you know, maybe it is miles, but boy, I I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what you would get for a TJ McConnell. It just it seems like the Pacers are far, far away from being big, big sellers at the deadline. Again, that's something that I think it's worth really examining. I, I totally understand that they're exceeding, and again, I know how you feel about assets and all of that. Um, oh yeah, if you hold assets. On to everything. Uh, no, you're not going to preach assets to me. Don't do it. Don't. Yeah, if you hold on to everything. Basically, what you're looking at is that 2023 draft. 
And if you don't find that extra piece, that Ananobi or whoever you want to classify as that additional thing that you need, if you don't get in the 2023 draft, you're kind of scrambling on where you're going to find that because you're giving big money to Miles, giving big money to Halliburton. That's going to eat up, obviously, a ton of the cap space that you have. And then you just aren't going to be, theoretically, you won't be drafting anywhere near the lottery, which, again, which is great because that means that you are winning. But I guess a lot of it depends on what you want to see the Pacers do here. Do you want to see them fully, fully commit to adding and trying to add another piece or two? Or do you think that they have enough pieces in-house right now throw another in in the 2023 draft, and then go from there. I think it's a very interesting debate here over the next month. That's uh, Kevin Moore on the morning show on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I got to run here, but did you see the the post from Trace Jackson Davis about the dude that sent him that handwritten letter? Did you see that? Yeah, Tim Weaver, right? Did, did you see yeah. it? Uh, well, the, um, the, the I don't know what you'd call him, the podcast called Assembly Call you know, was really piling on this this dude, too, and ripping him. And then he responds with, that's odd because virtually everything I said I got from listening to your post-show videos. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no. I took that and decided to put pen to paper and throw a stamp on it. I hope that this – and there are jack, jackasses everywhere. We all know that. And I, I hope that this can be used as motivation and it doesn't work in in terms of how I used to think and still would. It would work for like miles to where it would kind of weigh on him, weigh on the confidence, right. something you would think about. I, I hope that this is something that, that Trace can take and use it and something that Trace doesn't take with him and it weighs him down moving forward. But we'll, I guess we'll see. But uh, it's it's interesting to follow this um, this particular thread nonetheless. you got to check it out sometime. Tim is – Tim is uh, – that was quite the letter, to, to say the least. Yeah. I don't know if the tone is necessarily what I would use, but I do think Trace Jackson Davis stepping up his play in Big Ten play, especially that Xavier Johnson, is much, much needed right now. I can't remember the last time I saw a handwritten letter like this. This guy's living yeah. like me back in 1985 right here. Yeah, my Uncle Tad, who's north of 70, writes me handwritten letters, <laughs> and I can't read any of it. So I was just glad I could actually read it. No question. Oh, there's a uh, Pacers picture of um, T.J. McConnell arriving in a DeMar Hamlin jersey tonight at the game. There you go. Well, T.J. is a Pittsburgh native, yep. so I, I would think Makes he Makes sense. I, I don't, know, don't know if he went there or uh, went to Pittsburgh Central Catholic or not, but I know him, him and Bubba Ventrone, high school classmates, T.J. McConnell. You know what? I knew that, too. That's interesting right there. So that, that, um, that high school is loaded with professional talent, by the way. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad at all. All right. Tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., Kevin and Query here on The Fan. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, thanks for bearing with Rosie early on. I appreciate it.